Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you today. And uh, it's been great, hasn't it, the service so far? Lots to hear and the testimonies. Just thank you to those people who've, who've shared from the, the, the reality that actually sometimes following Jesus is not easy and we go through hard times, to um, hearing about a great weekend last weekend. And uh, I, I love the picture that David shared, you know, this idea of Jesus just blessing us. I want to be blessed. Anyone here want to be blessed today? Yeah, lots of it. We want to be blessed, and that's what Jesus is doing. And I, I feel encouraged because I think he wants to bless each and every one of us today. Uh, and I already feel blessed being here, uh, and I hope you do too. But even if you don't yet, I hope you will by the end of the service as well, because that's what God longs to do for us, to bless us with his presence and his love and his grace. Uh, and it's grace that we're talking about today, surprising grace. A picture was published fairly recently of a car that was caught speeding in Germany. Uh, the driver was on a road that I believe was in the region of 20 miles an hour, uh, and they were going a little bit over 30 miles an hour. Uh, and the camera took the picture of the speeding car uh, and the driver. This is the picture that came up from it. Um, just at the moment that they took the picture, a dove flies right in front of the driver. Uh, and actually, it means they could not give the driver a ticket because the driver had to be accurately recorded so they knew exactly who was driving. So the dove was the means through which they escaped the speeding ticket. Now, the interesting thing is the, um, the, the German police force had a Facebook page uh, and they wrote something which I found fascinating onto it. It says this, Thanks to the feathered guardian angel with apparently carefully spread wings, we have understood the sign and leave the speeder in peace at this time. They were saying, basically, the dove is the sign of the Holy Spirit. And so, therefore, the Holy Spirit has come, and um, they receive grace because of this. They did follow up by saying, however, we associate with it the hope that the protected speeder understands the hint from above as well and drives appropriately in the future. Surprising grace. If grace is the gift that we receive, that we do nothing to deserve, then what we see in this picture is a picture of grace because the driver didn't deserve this particular present of not getting a speeding ticket, but they got it. Sometimes grace comes in surprising places. And today in this story of Jonah, as we continue looking at what is happening in his life, uh, we see that grace comes in surprising places. Uh, can I say that there's one thing that as we go through the story that just, um, just touches me and, and almost leaves me a, a little bit uncomfortable is this observation. It isn't quite as it's supposed to be, this story. And I'll say more about that in a minute, but what I want to talk about this morning is the fact that we get grace in surprising places. And so I want to talk about the surprising grace that we see between the sailors and Jonah 
And then the surprising grace of God. So the surprising grace that we see between the sailors and Jonah, and then the surprising grace of God. The surprising grace of the sailors and Jonah, first of all. Now, um, some of you may know the story well. Others of you may be following the story for the first time. Some of you may have kind of known the general gist of the story, but are discovering other things as we tell the story. Uh, but this is the thing that I alluded to before that leaves me just feeling a little bit uncomfortable. I imagine you haven't heard the story before. And I tell you that the, the, the story is about a prophet of God. Now, a prophet is somebody who hears what God is saying and tells others about it. This is Jonah. Uh, and if I said to you, in this chapter, the first chapter, he's going to meet some sailors who are, well, we might describe them as heathens or pagans. They do not believe in God. They believe there might be gods out there, but they don't believe in God as we would understand him. Who would you say the hero of this chapter should be? It, surely it should be Jonah. Jonah is the one who is the prophet of God. He hears from God. He, he receives from God. Uh, surely Jonah should be the hero. And yet, as we read the chapter, what do we discover? It really isn't like that at all. Because the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, and he says, go to Nineveh to preach against these people, to preach against them in terms of bring my grace to them. What does Jonah say? I've heard the word of the Lord. He says, go to Nineveh. Jonah heads for Tarshish on a ship. Jonah's disobedient. So we start the story with the one who is supposed to be the hero, you would think, being the one who is disobedient to God and running away from him. That, that's how it describes it. He flees from the presence of God. Now, the reality is that's an impossible thing to do, but that's what he tries to do. He tries to get away from God. Uh, and then the storm comes along. We read about that last week. The storm comes along, and um, remember, Jonah's supposed to be the hero, surely. Uh, what happens is this. The sailors, who are the pagans, the non-God believers, they start praying to all kinds of gods. Jonah is silent. He doesn't pray at all. Uh, and then there comes to this moment because they're afraid that the ship is going to be destroyed. So they lighten the load. The sailors take action and they throw all the cargo overboard to lighten the ship to make it safer. What does Jonah do? He goes below and sleeps. So you have this picture set up here of what's going on is Jonah, who is supposed to be the hero, isn't at all. And the sailors are the ones who are taking action. The, the, the sailors recognize this is a spiritual thing that's happening with this storm that has blown up. So what do they do? They, they say, somebody must be responsible for this. Somebody has angered the God who is in control of the sea and the storm at this time. Who is responsible? And they decide to draw lots. Jonah doesn't start by saying, actually, it's me. He's still not in that place. Uh, and so they draw lots, and guess what? They discover Jonah is the one who is responsible. So now you have the sailors 
who have discovered that they've had to throw all their profits overboard, all the money that they would have had from delivering these goods. They've lost that, and they've discovered the person who is responsible. And you might expect that what they would then show is anger towards Jonah. Look at all this trouble you've caused us. And so when Jonah says, what's the solution is to this? Well, throw me overboard. He's basically saying, you can kill me. What we see happen next is this. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, Jonah replied. It will become calm. I know that this is my fault, that the great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land. You know, they were doing their best for him. They were giving him grace. You know, Jonah is the one who's caused them all the problems. He says the solution to this, what you need to do is throw me overboard. And what they do is they try to save Jonah by rowing back towards the land. Do you see where we're going with this, with what's happening here? You know, Surely the grace should come from Jonah imitating the God that he follows. But actually we see the lack of grace there is in Jonah because he wants to run away from offering God's grace. But in the sailors who don't believe in God, they are offering grace to Jonah. You see what I mean? It's surprising grace that's going on here. The one who's supposed to be offering grace isn't, and the ones who we would think, well, they wouldn't do it, are. Uh, and when I look at that, it makes me think, well, what's going on here? Why is this the case? Uh, some of you uh, may have experience of having very young children. And, um, and sometimes when you've got very young children, I'm talking about the toddler age group or just below that, there are things that you look at in their lives and you discover that actually we need to do a bit of training here. We need to sort something out. Things are not quite as they should be. It might be to do with eating patterns. It might be to do with sleeping patterns. It might be to do with the fact that they're having tantrums. Uh, anyone here experience that? Oh, yeah, quite a, good, good. We weren't alone in this phase of parenting. Uh, one of the things I did, I, I like, if there's something that you think we need to do something here, I'm going to read something about it to try and find out what should I be doing. Uh, and let me tell you, there's plenty out there on the internet, and there are plenty of books which describe things that you can do to help through all of these things. Let me tell you, I would try these things out. My experience was this. It didn't work. You know, I would look at what it would say would happen. Let's say there was a tantrum happen. Oh, let your child have that tantrum. Just let them scream it out, and after 10 minutes, they will calm down. Did it work? Not at all. Uh, and maybe some of you have found this. You know, all the things you're supposed to do, it could be to do with feeding. It could be to do uh, with sleep. Whatever you try and do, and you follow the patterns, you follow them rigidly of all the things you're supposed to do, and it just doesn't work like that. And in fact, what you discover is sometimes you break the rule of the things that they say you should never do, and that works. The world does not always work like we expect it to. And that's what I see in Jonah in this story. You see, it, the way I assume things should work is that Jonah, the servant of God, the one who hears God's voice, is the one who sets the good example to the ones who don't know God. 
But actually, it doesn't work like that in this story. It's like there's a role reversal going on at this point. And the reality is, and some of you may have experienced this at one time or another, the reality is this. Sometimes, in church, as individuals and as churches, we don't live up to who we're supposed to be. You know, sometimes you would go to a church and expect, if I go to a church, that's where I will discover people who are full of love for me, who are completely accepting of where I am and who I am and what I have done, because that's what church is about. I'll go to church and I will find they are the most moral people that I could possibly find. Uh, And sometimes, of course, that is the case. Many times, I hope that is the case. But occasionally what people find is that they're let down. And occasionally what people find is that the place that they went, hoping to receive acceptance and love, is the place that they go to, and they feel disappointed and rejected because they don't. We live in a society where the celebrity is often upheld. Uh, And that can happen in Christian circles as well. We have Christian names that we think, oh, they're great. I love to listen to their teaching. I love to hear them play worship music or whatever it is. Uh, And that's, that's okay. But sometimes we then hear stories about how they have, well, we might describe it as fallen and let themselves and God down. If you are here today and there is a part of you that feels disappointed because you have been to church in the past or you've known somebody who's a Christian and you've ended up feeling disappointed because they've let you down. They've rejected. They've not shown the love or the grace that you would expect. Can I, I, as a church leader who, um, uh, who is passionate about the church, say sorry. Because actually, sometimes we get it wrong. In this story, Jonah gets it wrong. Jonah gets it wrong. But actually, can I say something as well, that we are actually made up of a group of people who get things wrong. We don't come to church because we are good enough. We come to church because we know we're loved. In fact, we come to church because we know we're not good enough. And the only way we can possibly come to God and come to church and worship God is through the grace of Jesus Christ. It's only because we celebrate what Jesus has done for us on the cross as the one who lived and died for us, not because we're good enough, but because we are not good enough, but somebody who would take all the things that we do wrong from us and pay the penalty for us so that we can have communion with God, we can be in relationship with him. It's only because of that that we can be here. So we are here today as a group of sinners, if you like, a group of people who are not as good as we should be, seeking to be better. Uh, And that means there are times when we will feel let down, we will feel disappointed. But please do not give up on God or the church. Because actually the reality is that we are a broken people, a fallen people, who together are learning and on a journey seeking to serve God more faithfully.
That's the first thing that I want to talk about, is that surprising grace that comes not from Jonah, but from the sailors. My prayer is this, that we as a church and as individuals will never be in the place where somebody finds more love and acceptance from those outside the church than they do from inside. I'll tell you one of the things that it still breaks my heart when I think of it. I know somebody, it goes back a number of years and it wasn't anyone connected to this church. But I was having a conversation with somebody who had been to church but was actually going through a divorce at the time. And they were really upset and going through a lot of pain about it and they'd stopped going to church. And I was just having a conversation with them about why that was the case. And I said, look, it would be really good. Go to church. You know, you need God in this time. Uh, And this is what they said. They said, I feel bad enough already about what's happening. I don't need to be made to feel worse. Uh, And the sadness as I explored this with, with them was that there were people who were making them feel worse through the position that they were in. And they were finding their support was from the people outside of the church, not the people inside of it. It breaks my heart. Because that's not how it should be. You know, it's not that we're saying, oh, God doesn't care if people get divorced. God doesn't want people to get divorced, but it's precisely because it's so painful uh, for the people who are involved. And what God wants us to do, I believe, is get alongside people and help them through that process, not make them feel worse because they're going through it. We need to be people of grace and who show love. And if you say to me, well, hang on a second, what about the the standards that we have, the things that God wants us to do? Of course, I'm not talking about ignoring. God does want us to live in a particular way. I'm not saying we should never speak to people about that. But you know what? Whenever I see Jesus do that in the Scriptures, he had this Holy Spirit-given gift of being able to challenge people but make them feel loved. Uh, And it's too easy for us to say, well, of course I love them, and they feel condemned. We need that Holy Spirit gift that allows us to speak into people's lives at times. Not to say that there aren't challenges that need to be brought, but to do it in love. Where they end up feeling loved at the end of the process. Not we say, oh, but of course we love them. That is just not good enough, I'm afraid. They need to feel loved at the end of it. Now, sometimes people walk away from that love. Let's be honest, that happens. But we need to be people who are doing our best to show that. And if we have let people here down, or you've experienced that let down, I'm sorry, but don't give up on God, because God loves you. And don't give up on the church, because we're broken people who don't always get things right. The surprising grace of the sailors and Jonah. The second thing that I want to talk about is the surprising grace of God. The story goes on. They do their best to row to land, but the storm just gets even wilder than before. And so they end up at this point where they just feel, really now, we have absolutely no choice. Jonah knows this God who he serves. We're going to have to throw him overboard. Uh, and they do that. Uh, and um, we'll come back to some of what that happens there in a moment. But in verse 17... As Jonah is thrown overboard, we come to this verse, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Um, 
Uh, and I want to just speak about that verse for a little bit because it's the kind of verse and the setup in the story that some people find difficult. And I'll say a little bit more about that in a minute. But first of all, this is um, a picture that goes back to the 1890s. On the 22nd of August, 1891, the great Yarmouth Mercury, I don't know if that's still going. Does anyone know? Might be. Yes, it is. In 1891, the great Yarmouth Mercury reported the story of James Bartley, who lived from 1870 to 1909. The story reported this, that he was on a boat near the Falklands going on a whale expedition, and um, he fell overboard and was swallowed by a whale. And um, the whale was caught, and when they opened the whale up, they discovered that he was still alive inside. And his tombstone in, um, in Gloucester, I think it is, says this, James Bartley, a modern-day Jonah. Well, there are people who have looked into that, and um, uh, I have to be honest, there are some doubts about the uh, accuracy of the story. You can read about it on the internet if you want to. Um, but it's this idea of being swallowed by a giant fish. Um, we tend to assume it's a whale, because uh, that seems to be like a very big fish. Uh, it's interesting, I was talking to Emma, I was just looking to see if she was around. She was saying, I can't remember which language it is, but in Urdu, I think it might have been, or something like that, um, the great fish is translated as a great crocodile. Just a bit of interest for you. I found that interesting anyway, uh, um, but how people translate it. Now, some people have great trouble with the idea that Jonah could be swallowed by a giant fish or a whale. Uh, and so there are people who say that actually, we believe this is a story that isn't to be taken literally, it's actually a parable. Just as Jesus told parables in the New Testament, this is actually a parable. C.S. Lewis is one of those who would describe himself as that. That's what he thought of Jonah. There are others who say, well, actually, no, that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, you have to believe it is literally true. And uh, an example I was reading from this week, Tim Keller, who does a great book, and he says, actually, we shouldn't get too concerned about what we think about um, whether it's a literal story or a parable. But he does say this, if you accept the existence of God and the resurrection of Christ, which is a far greater miracle, then there's nothing particularly difficult about reading Jonah literally. Well, I share that with you because you may be here today in one of those two camps or kind of thinking, well, if you tell me I have to believe that someone got swallowed by a whale and, um, and they lived, uh, I just can't believe that. Or you may be here today saying, if you want to suggest that something is a parable when you should accept it as literally true, that's absolutely outrageous. Um, I'm not going to tell you exactly what I think now. Uh, you can ask me afterwards, and I'm happy to tell you there. But the reason I'm not is this. Um, what we want to understand is how would the first listeners have heard this story of Jonah? Uh, and one of the commentators I was reading said this, the first listeners of Jonah wouldn't have been concerned about whether it was true or actually happened or not. What they would be doing as they were listening is they would be identifying with the people in the story and in particular Jonah and responding to it in that light. Uh, and actually, that's what I want to say to all of us, whichever camp you're in, whether you're in the um, believe it's literally true, believe it's a parable, don't know what to believe, actually, the same truths are for all of us. The same truths are for 
all of us. Uh, and that's what we need to look at. And one of the things that I want to look at, because it runs through this story, is the surprising grace of God. The surprising grace of God. You see, those first hearers would have been surprised at God's grace. They would have been surprised because they thought that God's word and the relationship with God was just for the people of Israel. They were God's chosen nation. Uh, and they may have had these hopes that it would go out to the Gentiles at some point, but they were the special ones. That's what they believed. And so, to hear this, that actually, as we've heard in this chapter, that what happens is um, Jonah is the one who's run away, and they might understand the disobedience to God because they would relate to that, some of them. But then the sailors are the ones who try to save his life, and they cry out to the Lord in verse 14. They start praying to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, O Lord. You, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. They came to believe in God. God's grace, not just available for the people of Israel, but to everyone. They would have been surprised by that. Now, I, I think for most of us, probably from our theological thinking, our view of how we think about God, we know that God's grace is for everyone. We accept that. But what we struggle sometimes to believe is this. God's grace will get through to everyone or can get through to everyone. You see, I just wonder if there are some people in our lives, maybe, maybe you're like this, but I could think of them as I was preparing. I was thinking, actually, I recognize that I come with the attitude that I just think there are some people, I think, wouldn't it be great if they received God's grace and came to love God? But I just can't see that happening. I just can't see it. Their life is so much in one direction, I can't see how they could possibly change into the other direction. Do you know what? As I was looking at this, I felt God just placed on my heart, God does amazing things. And God can call the unlikeliest of people through his grace and change their lives completely. And today I want to affirm my faith in that again, and encourage you as well as myself to think, who are the people who are really on my heart right now that they should hear the message of God and respond to it? And let's pray for them. Let's pray for them with faith that I can't see how it could possibly happen. But you know what? God specializes in the amazing God specializes in the unlikely. God specializes in turning around the worst of lives to become the best of lives. That's what he does. It may surprise us. Do you know what? I long to be surprised this week by somebody who comes to faith who I thought I would never have expected it of them. Is that what you long for as well? Yeah, I can see from the nods. Yeah, that's what we long for. Shouldn't we be praying for it then? Let's pray for that. I'll come back to that in a minute, moment as a, a part of our response, maybe. But, you know, God can surprise us with his grace. That's what he does. But I think also he surprises us perhaps with the grace that he shows to Jonah. 
And we'll talk more about this in the coming weeks as well. But I just want to say something about this at this moment now. You see, I think, my understanding as I read the passages, they thought that the storm was a sign of God's anger. You know, the storm threatening the ship, threatening life. It sounds like somebody's angered God here. But you know what? This is the means by which God's grace is going to come and draw Jonah back to him. And it's the means by which sailors come to experience the grace of God. You know, here is Jonah. Jonah is running away from God. Do you know what the biggest, the saddest thing would have been? If he kept on running and moved himself as far away from God as he could. Now, let, let me say, we can never go out and away from God's presence. I know that. I understand that. But what we can do is we can live in such a way uh, and, and deliberately choose to go against God that we turn ourselves and push ourselves further and further and further away. And that's the path that Jonah is on. But the grace of God is so great that it doesn't let Jonah go. It's like that great hymn, isn't it? You know, um, George Matheson, I think it is. Oh, love that will not let me go. God's love will not let Jonah go. He loves him too much. And the storm comes, not, I think, because God is really, really angry with Jonah at this point, but because he just loves him. He says, this is my grace drawing you back. I, I just wonder, is there anyone here, are there some of us who perhaps what we've done is we've tried to run from God? Uh, maybe things that have happened in life, we say, oh, that's God's anger against us. God's angry with me. And what he wants you to hear this morning is not, I'm angry with you, but I love you. Uh, and I come to you through the storm, and I want to draw you to myself. And I will save you through that storm, as Susie was sharing earlier on about fixing our eyes on Jesus in the storm with the grace enough to see us through. That's what God does. Gives us grace, enough grace to see us through. And I just wonder today, is there somebody, maybe a few people who, if you're completely honest, you know you've been trying to run from God. But God doesn't want to let you go. And he wants to draw you back today to him. And the final thing that I just want to say about this as well is this. Sometimes our challenge, uh, we get our thinking challenged about who God is and how he acts towards us. You see, Jonah, this whole story is about Jonah's understanding of God being challenged and the way he wants God to act in the world. He has to learn about who God is. He has to reevaluate who God is. He needs to change the story of who God is as he discovers more of that. Uh, and it may be today that there are some of us here who need to understand a different story of who God is. Because maybe we have created this angry God who is always trying to tell us off. And we never feel good enough. And God says, I love you. That's what he wants you to hear this morning, his love for you, pouring over us, we were singing earlier, the picture of grace being almost sprinkled around the room. That's what he wants us to receive. 
but there may be things in our life where we kind of said, I, I need to re-understand, I need to try and understand this differently. I've always understood the world as without God, or I've never really believed he existed, or I believed he was somewhere out there. I never thought that he could be a personal God who actually loves me and who I can have relationship with, and yet he says, actually, this is exactly who I am, and I want you to re-understand, have a new understanding, a new vision of who I am, and be surprised by my grace. It, it may be that you have this picture of God who, who makes everything all right all of the time, so actually nothing ever goes wrong. As we've heard from testimony this morning, sometimes things still go wrong in the world. Sometimes we still go through the storm, even though we are Christians. If we have a viewpoint that says, actually, being a Christian is all about everything is always all right and everything is always really nice, it's not like that. Maybe we need to re-understand because what happens is we can start doubting God's existence and his love for us, and maybe he is angry for us, but we need to understand that actually these things happen to Christians and to non-Christians, but the difference is God is there with us in the storm and gives us the grace to see it through. It, it may be that we pray about something and we see, well, we don't see the answer we were hoping for prayer. Oh, God can't exist then. God can't love me. But actually, as we experience some of the prayers, and I suspect all of us who are here today will have had prayers we have not seen answered in the way that we hoped they would be. That doesn't mean to say God does not answer prayer. It does not mean to say God doesn't love us. We need to have a new understanding of who God is and how he works in the world. Jonah, this whole story of Jonah is about discovering the grace of God and just how amazing that grace is the goodness of God that chases after him. Maybe you're here today and you need a new understanding of who God actually is. Because that's what he wants for us to know. You know, if there's one thing you go away with today, just one thing, it's this. God loves you. God wants you to be in relationship with him. That's two things, isn't it? But sorry about that. If there's two things God wants you to go away with today, it's this. He loves you, and he wants to be in relationship with you. His grace makes that possible. Praise him. That's the God whom we love and serve. Amen.